so so we confess those sins we ask for um, forgiveness but but that repentance for Christians and this is so important and is a part of our sort of our life verse for our church is Romans 8 1 even Steve said this um, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ and so this repentance should not lead us to despair you know woe is me I'm undone hmm, right. it should actually lead us to dependence and joy because we are reminded, as you said from First John 1, 9, we are reminded right here when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Yeah. And so the prayer of repentance needs to be quickly followed, and I usually do this in the same prayer, um, you know, one sentence to another. They should be followed with an assurance of pardon. Absolutely. Right? An assurance of forgiveness. Yep. Um, because if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our yep. sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that assurance of pardon is so important um, because so far too often we've seen Christians that just don't understand what it means to be forgiven. They're mm -hmm. Christians, they've trusted in Christ, but they're still also trying to trust in their own righteousness and yeah. righteous works, yeah. right? Trying to be good enough and... Yeah, on in their on, by their own sweat, <laughs> you know. First John is the perfect book because it kind of addresses both people, right? So the so the guy who says, you know, I don't think I sinned this week. <laughs> I think I did uh, love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength to the full extent as He ought to be worshipped and glorified. I did that. <laughs> well, First John actually says something about that. You should be afraid. <laughs> yeah, like you should be really worried. Yeah, and and the guy who you know, is crushed under the weight of his own sin and says, oh God, have mercy on a wretch like me. First John actually addresses that guy too. He says, hey, good news. <laughs> you know, your sensitivity to your sin tells us a lot about your your, your state, your yeah. status with, yeah. with God. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so as, so now as we're thinking about worship, okay, we've, we've, um, been we've been assured of, of grace and peace. So God's grace and his peace is upon us who are his. Uh, we've prepared our hearts. We've been called to worship. We've sung songs of praise. We've repented of our sins. We've been assured that there is forgiveness and no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. And one of the next things that we do, um, this is where we put it, but we then take up and give, we take a collection at yeah. this point. Yeah. So what is the purpose? We could probably spend a lot of time on this, but what is the purpose of um, giving tithes and offerings or a collection, giving some of our money to God in a, in a, in a church setting? What's the purpose of that? Well, you need to sow. You, you need to sow your seed so you can receive. <laughs> oh, there you go. And there you have and it. And out of RBC. Back, back up. I'll show myself out. Thank yeah. you very much. That was former elder Lee Jones. Leave that on the cutting room floor. <laughs> yeah, you can, you, I'll, I'll follow up after Steve. I just wanted to make a joke. Oh. I hope this is not cut out. Well, so I mean, part of this. There's a lot going on here, but I'll just address one thing. Part of this is when people covenant together as members of a local church, one of the things they're doing is they're saying, I'm in this with you, and we're going to join together to be a part of God's kingdom, which is rolling forward. It's taking new ground. It's advancing. And sometimes that costs money. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we want to send people 
to places all around the world. We want to be able to provide resources in some cases. And for someone to say, that's great that you're all doing that, I don't want to do that. Well, the way it kind of works is if you're in the family, then we're kind of all doing the family business. Now, some people are going to be in the position to uh, give a lot. Some people are going to not hardly be able to give very much at all, but you should want to be a part of what's going on. Mm -hmm. So you should be invested enough that it also uh, includes some sort of financial giving as a general rule. So what is the difference between uh, a New Testament offering and an Old Testament tithe? Well, um, so um, a tithe, which kind of functioned as as a tax in uh, under the the civil government, the or the uh, um, yeah kind of the ceremonial civil aspect of of the old covenant uh, Israel. Um, so to to a certain degree, a tithe would be a, a positive law, a, a law that is posited by God for a particular time, um, and really. You know, so we say tithe because 10%, you know, is is a pretty nice number as a basis. Um, but in the New Testament, you know, we're not collecting a temple tax. Um, the temple has has passed away, right? Uh, um, the the Holy Spirit resides in the in the people of God. We don't have one temple. Um, we do have, uh, as Steve, just like you said, the kingdom can cost money, right? And so so the ministry, the new New Covenant ministry does cost money sometimes, um, but it's it's an act of worship, not merely um, a, a tax. It's a form of worship. You, God, you've given us everything. Everything we have is a gift from you. Every good and perfect gift comes from uh, from the Father above, um, and so we we give that uh, to be cheerful givers to support the work of the ministry. Um, and to go back as well to the, the regulative principle, it was a habit of Paul's in his ministry to collect those offerings from the churches when he met with them that he would then take and, and they would use those for the support of churches elsewhere. <clears throat> and so the fact of doing it, num- number one, just taking collection is one thing, but why we do it in our worship service, it, it stems from that. Okay. Um, so yes, so we should we should give we should be cheerful givers to the Lord who's given us everything. But it is very good to not only give to take that collection on the Lord's day in our worship service, not in a side, you know, or or beforehand, like actually in as part of the liturgy, the liturgy, um, but also to do it physically, not merely online as well. Um, but to actually give to actually put a check or or cash or whatever in a plate. To give an actual, an actual offering, not just tap a, a button on a screen, I think is really important too. Yeah, that we we actually so during COVID, uh, right at the very beginning of COVID, we actually had that discussion as all of the elders and deacons, and we were trying to figure out what what life was going to look like in March of 2020 when nobody knew what was going to happen, and um, we were concerned, right? Every church, nearly every church was closing down. We had no idea. They were telling us that millions were going to die, whatever. Um, so now we can second guess or look back and see the truth or at least what we think is the truth. And um, but, but at the time, we didn't know what to expect. And so that was the discussion was, 
should we implement online giving? You know, we're going to do some live streaming. We're going to try and get, you know, continue to get the, the word and the edification out there. Um, how should we do this? And we actually decided there's, like you just said, there's a, there's a physical element of writing out a check, carrying like being intentional about bringing it to church or, or putting mm -hmm. cash in an envelope or whatever, but bringing it to church, putting it in the offering plate. Mm -hmm. And so we, uh, we don't have a, a box to collect from. We don't do online giving. Online, uh, like I do bill pay online all the oh, time. Oh, me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, like I write about like the only checks I write anymore are to the church. Right. Me, yeah. And there may come a time when we have to do something different. Yeah. But um, there is like a, a physical element of this is a part of worship. This isn't just a bill. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's not just that I've. I've uh, signed a commitment card and said I will, you know, give X to the building fund or something <laughs> right. like that. Yeah. This is actually a part of worship. It's a worship. It's a giving back of a portion mm -hmm. of what God has so richly blessed me, our yeah. family with. Yeah. Um, and so that money is then used for, um, like, even in the New Testament. So you talked about supporting other churches. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so in many cases, those were churches that were, suffering under persecution and the, and so there were Christians who were being scattered and you know they had to run for their lives leave behind their homes um, and and in this sort of early I guess you'd say underground church as the church mm -hmm. is being scattered the apostles would would make a collection Paul would take up a collection from one church to be able to help another church so that they could eat yeah right yep. and 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 also he talks about um, like in Philippians is uh, Philippians almost comes across as a thank you letter um, for their support of him while he's doing the ministry. And so there's a, there's an element like Absolutely. my pay, Ben's pay, our assistant pastor uh, or discipleship pastor, uh, um, our pay comes from the church and that's a biblical precedent. Um, you know, of, of uh, uh, Paul says that in multiple places mm -hmm. in the new Testament to pay those who, labor at preaching and teaching. Um, and so that's where it comes from. And, and then the Lord has seen to it, he's seen fit, blessed us with a building and a right. place that we can gather together. Um, and, and so that's a, that's a good thing. It's a, it's an advantage that we have in our society right now, um, where we can publicly gather, but buildings are expensive and, you know, upkeep is expensive. So that's what it all, yeah. um, so it's an act of worship. Um, Okay, so then typically what we do right in here is we we read passages of scripture, and often it's a long passage. Yeah. Um, and I'll have people stand up. Mm -hmm. um, why do we do that? Why do we read long passages? Why do we stand when we do it? Um, we read through books of the Bible, so we're right now we're reading through the book of Romans. Uh, a chapter a week. Sometimes if it's a really long chapter, we might break it up. But why do we do that? Why do we read God's Word uh, in our worship service? Well, I mean, I think you have to start out with recognizing who God is. So the, the, the one who always was and who is and who always will be, the one who created everything that was created just by uh, the word of his mouth, the one who uh, not only created but sustains us, the one who is 
sovereign over every cell in your body, the one who holds you together, first of all, regards you at all, mm. <laughs> right? Like, so that's a big deal. What but, is man that you are mindful right, of him? Right, right. And, and not only regards you at all, but has something to say to you and uh, communicated that in a way that we have a record of it thousands of years later. And so acknowledging who he is and that he wants to communicate something to us, we want to show proper honor with that. So we, we stand up for the reading of God's word. The, the Bible specifically says we should read aloud the, you know, the, the scripture. So that's pretty clear cut. Mm -hmm. But we want to recognize that this is worth our time. This is worth showing the proper honor. And the important thing, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, with preaching also, but with reading through entire books of the Bible and preaching through entire books of the Bible, is that then you don't get to skip anything you don't like. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're oh, going yeah. re to read. I know. I've had to read some I know. of those passages. We've, got, we've been going through Leviticus, and it's been some interesting stuff. There's some very so awkward passages you, in the you, you are forced to hear and read and, and preach and, and through everything that God has to say to us. And if we... We're honest, like there's some stuff he has to say to us that doesn't particularly suit us, mm -hmm. but <laughs> mm -hmm. we don't get to, it doesn't work mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. So it is important to read through whole books of the Bible. Yeah. I think also, I completely agree, and that's so important. I think an extra benefit of the public reading, one, one benefit, and one additional benefit is, <clears throat> it's an interesting nod to, a redempt, or to Christian history. Because for most of the Christian experience, we haven't had printed Bibles in our own language. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so for the longest time, um, reading a long portion of Scripture in the worship service was one more way that the congregation could be steeped in the Word of God. Um, they might have not been able to read it on their own because without access to the Word or even the ability to read. Yeah. Um, this was one way that the church kept the Word of God in the minds of the members. For a long, 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 long time. Now we have we're we're richly blessed. We have an abundance of biblical resources, um, but I have noticed um, that when on the Sundays when when so for instance right now we're reading Romans chapter by chapter in this portion of the worship service, there are things that I will notice when we read that chapter on Sunday that I might not have noticed if I read that chapter in my own private study and devotion time this week. There are all, there's always something that stands out to me when I hear it read to me that I don't always notice when I'm just reading it and praying through it on my own. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 I, I think um, uh, the, 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 you know, standing for the public reading of scripture, you talked about like uh, there are those in, throughout Christian history uh, who either didn't know how to read or didn't have mm -hmm. it in their own. So that public reading of Scripture was the only time mm -hmm. they heard God's mm -hmm. Word. Yeah. And and it's as if they were in the throne room of the king himself. Before. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine. You know, He's we're speaking so, to you right now. Yeah. We're yeah. so, like, we, we <laughs> scroll on our phones, you know, and I, and I do it too. We all we all do it, right? We we, we have this, like, reading and, and visual um, and, and we hear things, we're always listening mm -hmm. to something. And, uh, but to have, uh, you know, like th there had to have been in, in history, Christians that just longed for that, that few minutes on a Sunday morning when they would just hear God mm -hmm. 
speaking to them through his word. Yeah. That's just inc- that is yeah. pretty incredible. I, I think that's a good point that we should recognize that in, 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 the, in the Western world, we have multiple copies of God's word. We can pull it up on our phone. We, a lot of us have lots of Bibles and different translations and, and that's kind of unusual in, mm-hmm. in, 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 the, in church history. I mean, yep. people were burnt at the stake to yep. get us this copy of this book or this, this mm-hmm. Bible. And, and we, we're so rich that it would be easy to maybe not appreciate what a big deal it is to have Bibles everywhere. And we don't have to hide them. We don't have to bury them underground out in the barn <laughs> somewhere. We can just have them all over the place. Nobody's yeah. worried about that. And that's not how it went for a lot of church history. Yeah. Sometimes we throw around, there's that term, you know, an embarrassment of riches. Right. right. Yeah. So sometimes we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to biblical resources. But I say when we use them and we use them well and actually spend our time diving into the word of God, it isn't an embarrassment of riches. It's a richness of riches. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a incredible richness of grace Yeah. that he has given us, um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we want to put those to use. Yeah, yeah. So the the command the command is from First Timothy four thirteen, where where Paul says to Timothy, instructing him on pastoral ministry. He says, "Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching." So there's a lot more that he is called to do, but this is like a one sentence job description for the pastor. Mm-hmm. Right? This is your job. Just get up and read it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, exhort people, teach people what it says. And I, and I think of like when um, when the captives were coming back in Ezra and Nehemiah. They're coming back out of captivity into the promised land, back to Jerusalem. They're rebuilding the walls and and the, get you know preparing to rebuild the temple. And they and and they gather together and they read the law. Ezra reads the law. Mm-hmm. And it just the the movement of the people they they just they they repented mm-hmm. you know the tears came to their eyes as he stood from you know morning like he just read, read the it. law and um, and the people just repented and and then it says later that there were there were groups of priests going around giving the sense yeah that's the exhortation yeah. and preaching or teaching saying now here's what this means mm-hmm. yep <laughs> right yep. like that's Make an just application yeah yeah. Um, you think of of Josiah, um, King Josiah, when they found the law, and then mm-hmm. it, it you know drove him to tears and uh, issued it to be read. Um, all those things are so important. Just the the reading of God's word. I think it has more effect on our families, on the, anybody who hears it, than we think. Especially mm-hmm. when it's over and over every week as part of those ordinary means of grace. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I kind of um, got a little bit out of order, but I want to go back to, is usually before we do, before we take up um, a, a collection, before we do the, the, the worship through our giving, um, we often pray before that. And I, uh, sometimes I call this in, the, in, the, in our bulletin when we kind of put this together, the, our order together, um, I call it a prayer of dependence. Um, when we when we pray a prayer of dependence, um, uh, so so here's what I what I have in my in my doc that I keep in my computer to kind of keep us focused on this. I said prayer with thanksgiving is an element of natural worship and is so required and so is required by God of everyone, but to be acceptable it must be made in the name of the Son, 
by the help of the Spirit according to His will. It must be accompanied by understanding, reverence, humility, fervor, faith, love, and perseverance. Prayer with others must be in a language that is understood. That's from the London Baptist Confession of Faith um, uh, 22.3. Winning. <laughs> so Romans 8.26 says this, and, and, and actually there's probably more verses that we could put in here to sort of back this up. But this idea of the Spirit praying for us. So likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So when you guys, um, when it's your turn to get up and pray, and and, and it's done at the at the giving of the um, of our of our offerings, right? Just before that, mm -hmm. when you pray, what do you tend to focus on mm -hmm. when you get up to pray? Yeah. I, so I, I usually like to find at least one passage of Scripture to use as the backbone for that for that prayer. Uh, I may echo some of the words of that of that passage. I may just use you know the spirit, the point of that passage to to inform what I'm going to say. But I, I like to um, point out our neediness and God's graciousness in some way or another. Um, the, the fact that we do depend on God, I take that that word dependence very. Uh, it's, it's kind of core to how I want to prepare and, and arrange my words to uh, in that moment. So I want to exult in the bigness of God while also remembering the smallness of us. Um, and, then, and then that then leads, once we see how big God is, we are then able to give out of what he's given to us. It seems natural yeah. to go that way. It almost seems like when we, when we understand how big God is, compared to the $20 I'm giving. Yeah. Right? Like it's, yeah. it's so, and yet we, we don't disparage that, right. right? I think of Jesus standing and watching the widow drop the mm -hmm. two mites in and mm -hmm. pointing her out, like pointing her out. Yeah. Like look at that. Look how much she gave. Yeah. 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 Because she understood who God is mm -hmm. and what he has done. Absolutely. Did you have anything to well, add? Well, I, I would just kind of <laughs> echo what, uh, what Lee said, I do something very similar. Very often I will, I will go to maybe a psalm and a draw from that quite a bit in, in praying the prayer of the dependence. And I would use, I was, you know, if, you, if, you had, uh, if I had answered first, I would have used some of the same terminology he did. They, we want to recognize the bigness of God and the relative smallness of man. And so part of the, one of the ways you could do that is just by almost like a, a, a worshiping of who you are what you've done uh your your you know and, and you can go through all the attributes of god but also our our neediness right like you, you think of like jesus in the garden and the boys keep falling asleep right it, it, <laughs> we, we, we we need god to keep us awake we need god to capture our attention we need we're easily distracted we're easily led astray we're we're prone to wander right we we have a great need for him to not let us go we're not going to rely on us holding him we need him to hold us and so i try to camp out in those places for the prayer of dependence excellent um the other thing i wanted to uh to bring up in this part this pod um there's some more things that we'll probably get into in a different in a different one about actual preaching and then also the the sacraments or the ordinances but 
Uh, we tend to sing hymns mm-hmm. at our church. Mm-hmm. Um, why Why do you think that it, maybe we've addressed this a little bit with songs of praise and regulative principle, but why do we focus on hymns typically as opposed to the, the um, Casey Kasem top 40, <laughs> you know, um, Here's a letter. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we focus on hymns as opposed to the pop Christian songs? Yeah. Uh, th- there's lots of reasons. I ju- I'll just give just a couple. Um, one, um, the pop worship songs that you hear on the radio, the top 40 type thing, um, those are meant to be heard, not sung. Um, our goal when we sing is we want the congregation to sing. Um, the real instrument of, of our worship is the raised voices of God's people. Right? The drums. Uh, obviously, the drums, yes. <laughs> Hit the skins. Uh, so, you know, we, we have musical accompaniment in, in order to guide and keep that instrument rolling. Um, so our, you know, we're not going to have a big rock band that's going to drown out the voices of the congregation because the whole point of us singing is the congregation needs to sing. And we're helped uh, when we hear each other's voices as we raise our voices in praise to God in song. So a big part of it is hymns are meant, like the way that they're built, their tunes are built, are meant to be sung um, by By, lots of people. Yeah, by a group, yeah. 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 Um, Sometimes they have more complex um, and beautiful melodies than others. Some melodies are very simple, but at bottom they're meant to be sung by a group of people. Yeah. And hymns, regardless of whether they're some of the oldest hymns, there's even some new, we might call them modern hymns that still follow a hymn format and yep. have good words, but also the point of that is the words, that they have solid doctrine in the lyrics, um, and that they that the songs themselves are teaching us. Yeah, I would just uh, reiterate that we want to, it is important to us at RBC that we draw a clear line between what is an act of performance and what is an act of corporate worship. And if you want to go to a concert and and enjoy a a performance art, okay, knock yourself out. But that's not what we're doing here. We were called to worship, not called to a concert to be entertained. Mm -hmm. We don't need... so, So we purposefully want to lean or kind of steer away from something that might be getting into something that's more a performance for the audience. And by that, I mean the people in the room, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, the audience for worship is God. Yeah. We're singing to God. We're, we're engaging in an act of worship. And so we should be saying things that are true about him. He should be the object of, uh, of the, the song that we're singing as opposed to I'm going to tell the world all about all my feelings about God and look at how I feel and how like that could turn into me, me, me and God, my co-pilot. We're not interested in that. We want God to be the, the focal point of whatever we're singing. There's a there's a term for that. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's sacerdotalism where the actual worship... I think it's sassy dotalism. Is it sassy? <laughs> I put the sass in sassy dotalism. I cannot correct you if you're wrong. Actually, you, know, you got so, me. Somebody will Google it and you tell me when I, if Someone I'm wrong. out there will, but <laughs> yeah. not me. Yeah. Oh, no, you didn't. Uh, 
But and and this this is a Roman Catholic problem as well, where the actual worship isn't done by the congregation. The, the congregation is beholding yeah. worship being done by the priests. Um, that is not worship. Right. <laughs> like worship is to be done is to be is to be undertaken by the congregation um, together. We're not we're not an audience to watch worship, um, and so. Um, just just to kind of pile on with with what you were saying, Steve. You know, we it, this is an active experience mm-hmm. for the congregation. We're not just sitting back and watching someone sing a worship song. We are singing because we are worshiping. This is one aspect of our worship. It's interesting because we talk about worship wars, and I'm not really interested in worship wars. Like I just we're yeah. just not participating. Yeah. Um, we are going to sing that which is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Steve mm-hmm. already was talking about that, but one, worship wars have actually been going on, like, so all through church history, mm-hmm. in one way or another. Oh, yeah. And uh, when, when the when the priests would sing, they bring in the choirs to sing, and the and the the person in the congregation just observes, right? But we're a priesthood of believers. We're supposed to all participate yeah. in worship. We're supposed to all be singing, but this has been sort of a thing that the that Christians have had to figure out over the years. So that even even in the English Reformation, um, there were early English Baptists that we would be pretty close to in theology mm-hmm. that that were fighting over should should there be singing in the church at all at all Not just should they use instruments like all of those yeah. arguments have kind of always been through. Um, through the church, so the, argue, the the worship wars that are happening now, or maybe happened a generation ago, that stuff is still like it's. These are things to hash out and a good mm-hmm. things to discuss. Yeah. Um, the point is, like, so it's, it's Colossians three sixteen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so we need to be doing that with that attitude. Speaking, singing the truth um, with that attitude of thankfulness to God. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, why don't we call it there? Why don't we say that that's good? We've gone a really long time. Um, and we'll pick it up. We have a couple more elements of worship uh, that we do want to address. Um, we'll address next time. One is uh, the importance of preaching. I think we could spend a whole time talking about that but then also the lord's supper how frequently what it should be all of those things and baptism so why don't we pick up on on those things and then there's also like a benediction and and why do we finish with uh, we sing a congregational response mm-hmm. uh, after we hear god's word so we've kind of made it to the um to the sermon in in our order of service our liturgy so why don't we pick it up there next time so as always I'm Dana. I'm Steve. I'm Lee. May the, no, I need to let Lee do the uh, the Aaronic blessing for us, which is the tradition of this podcast. So Lee, please <laughs> do your bless thing, your Lee. listeners. Yes, it's it, and it's our it's ironic, not ironic. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.